welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. This is episode 11. I'm your host, Misty, and I am coming to you from a very, very soggy southeast Texas, Houston area. We've had so much rain in the last few days. Um, If you've been paying attention to the news at all, um, nationally, if you're somewhere else in the country, or even if you're maybe out of the U.S., um, we've had a lot of flooding. And um, it's kind of what happens here when you live in the bayous and bottomlands area of Texas, uh, water all pools in one area for a while, and um, it can be pretty uh, devastating. So luckily here at my house, we, we live in a pond, so um, we definitely have our our times when the pond comes quite far up into the yard, and uh, late Sunday night, Monday morning, we had <laughs> probably the most water in our yard than we've ever had. Um, but thankfully after the rains kind of tapered down, everything drained away, but, but the rest of Houston downstream, um, had some problems and a lot of, uh, streams and creeks, uh, hit their 500 year floodplain or higher, um, things that they haven't, no one's seen before. So it was pretty, pretty insane for a few days. And uh, I'm a little bit behind on getting this podcast out, but last week I talked with someone locally, uh, to Houston, uh, Leanne Tarleton, uh, Digging the Woodlands. If you follow her on Instagram, she kind of uh, she gardens in a community that is dictated by you know homeowners association restrictions. Uh, but she's been doing very clever gardening installations, um, and I've been intrigued by her posts on Instagram and thought we should have a chat. So we sat down and talked, uh, over Skype a few weeks ago. And, um, do want to mention that there's a couple weird things that happen with Skype, little, I don't even know what to call them, like blasts and staticky spots. So you'll have to kind of hope your ears don't hurt too bad after that. Um, and then I kind of tried to, <laughs> we talked about our locations and in regards to each other. So I tried to bleep that out a little bit. So I tried to be a little clever. My editing is probably not the best, but Leanne and I talked about all sorts of things from landscaping her house, um, from the bare bones and taking what the landscapers had did and making it her own to talking about the local food and farm scene in Houston, which is, you know, surprisingly growing and building its own little niche, which is pretty exciting for, um, an area that I think people like to disregard and discount in regards to that. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, don't forget to leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher. That'd be awesome. And I just found out Google is working on putting up podcasts on their Google Play. So I'm going to be putting this podcast on there very, very soon. And hopefully by the next uh, episode, that will be there if you decide you want to start listening on Google. All right. Don't forget, you can reach me at thegardenpathpodcast.com or thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com and Twitter at gpathpodcast. All right. Thanks, you guys. Talk to you later. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> How are you today? Good, good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. It's kind of dreary here again. Did you guys get much rain yesterday? No, we got almost nothing. So, um, of course, I you know rushed to get some things planted, and now um, I'm probably going to have to get out with the hose. So, yeah, you know, usual. 
But yeah, thanks thanks so much for um, for inviting me to chat. Yeah, no problem. I uh, I can't remember how I found your Instagram. I think I was just trolling like Houston gardening hashtags, and I was like, hey, the woodlands. That's really close. <laughs> Where are you actually? How close are we? Officially in the woodlands and under all their community management um, system. So yeah. that's what we have. So hence, hence the name, digging the woodlands. That's that's where I got. Oh. Yeah. So how long have you you've been gardening there since what 2013? Yeah, in in this house 2013, um, and it would have been December 2013 because at that time we had just um, just finished the pool and we didn't want to like that was that was right after the house was completed and we moved in and I didn't want to leave um, a bare backyard because when they do the pool construction they kind of tear up everything, including the sprinkler system, and um, leave everything bare. And I didn't want it left with bare earth and having all the dirt come into the, the filtration system and everything. So I really rushed to do that. And I had a, uh, a landscaper come in and do it and um, use a lot of the plants that the builder had, um, had left. But um, I just wasn't, I don't know, it, it, I just wasn't really like – 100% satisfied and moved and everything and I have a tendency to pick at things and then it just it just snowballed and now it's almost 100% my own my own work and I've had to go back and as I dig things up and rework things like drainage and grading and everything bring in um, quite a lot of uh, dirt and supplementary and um uh, materials to augment the soil and that kind of thing and so there's been um like kind of an ongoing project that's taken place so i i have a bit of the the um the original landscaping job and i think even one of the builder's plants still remaining and and i think in in some cases the the original landscaper did uh did a nice job and and had some really really excellent ideas but i just um you know, as, as I would look at things and say, oh, I know, you know, I wonder if I could do, do something else or something would come out and other thing would come in. Then it's like renovating a house and then everything else was weird and it just went on and on and on. And on. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what, what happened. Then it became, and then I, I don't know, one day I just started putting it on Instagram and generated some interest and that's, that's what happened. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually so. I went back way back in time on your feed, and I saw that you uh, you just started landscaping when that that nasty ice storm happened two years ago. Yeah, yeah I had a. I, I and of course. Um, oh, sorry about that. Are you okay. still there? So, yep, I'm here. Yeah, that's my cat. Um, the, yeah, I unfortunately I had a uh, some sensitive palms. Um, the the queen and a couple of the little uh, pygmy dates brought in and. And of course they weren't established and then the, the ice storms hit and it wasn't just one, it was like a series of four, I think. And I, I had been out there every night covering everything with frost cloth and chasing it around and everything and they still froze and I just, I lost so much to cold. But, um, just last week actually I just got, um, got more palms. So we'll, we'll see. My, my hope is at this time that they're more established. So. Right. So they'll make it through something like that again. Yeah. So I know you have banana trees, though, too. Have you had any problems with the freezes? Um, well, luckily, our banana trees are kind of on a, the south side of our house, and so it's kind of protected. Um, they do get a little bit of frostbite, um, but we haven't really had them. They always come back from the roots. And 
luckily, I think most of our stuff that has been pretty tropical, even if they die back, they have come back from the roots if they've been really well established. Um, occasionally, if it's something like really, really tropical that can't even handle like, you know, below 40, you know, that stuff we had to buy again. But Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, we've had pretty good success, I think. I think our zone in general, we're not going to get too much of this really bad stuff. It'll be every few years where we have to be vigilant. So, did, now did you garden somewhere else before you came here, or? I, I think well, I started like years and years ago. First, I think the first house that um, my uh, my now husband and I bought was in um, Edmonton, in Canada. I'm actually doing. Oh, okay. And um, this is hilarious, but in, in retrospect, but I, I, um, I had this little house in a newer community. And, of course, the, the situation there is that um, you don't get nearly the, the landscaping that you do with the builder, even the, you, you know, the basics. You just kind of get a bare yard, and they, they, contract, the, they contract with the, um, the buyer to say you have to put grass in within a certain um, – time frame and that kind of has to do with the, the weather that they don't have year-round planting. So um, anyway, there was this uh, very bare backyard uh, which had grass and this plant that I was really um, pampering because I thought it was like a tree, but it turned out to be a weed. And so that was kind of crummy. But then the, the next house uh, was in Calgary and that actually that was two houses later and that, that went a lot better. Um, the I think we're only there for maybe a couple of years, but the I, people loved the yard so much that they wanted to get married in it. The people who bought our, our house with that yard. So, um, wow. so it went a lot better. And at that time, um, because of the, the dry environment that Calgary has, um, with the exception of the occasional, you know, 200 year flood that they unfortunately get hit with, um, you, you really want to learn about the, um, like the drought tolerant plants for the area and that's kind of how I got an interest in the native plants and how to make it work in an attractive environment so um, then when we um, transferred uh, to Houston um, with my husband I uh, had to learn all over again for a house in Sugarland and some of it went well because you get very excited you think you can grow everything all year round and while no you get there's funguses, there's insects, oh, there's, yeah. you know, there, you think heat and sun are a good thing until you realize that not everything likes that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to learn a whole bunch about that, and um, again, not everything went went well, and about the same time, I started to get um, more into the, uh, like, Kind of the know your farmer movement and um, buying from farmers markets and whatnot, and so uh, that spurred an interest in working with like a more ecologically sound environment in the yard, and that's kind of how I got here. So when when I moved to the woodlands, you're kind of on the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round of plantings in the yard. I've been really trying to build a, a decent functioning ecosystem yeah so. so when you were in south of town did you get to do any um more like avocados and any tropicals like that or no i had a i had an orange tree and it it took um 
it, it took some time to get established, and I was very excited about that. But honestly, at that stage, I was like the kind of gardener who was wowed by knockout roses. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't really have that kind of, um, like that kind of knowledge base. So we just had like the one, like kind of what at that time would have been thought for Canadians as an exotic, which is an orange tree. And, and we were pretty excited about that. Some things I just got lucky about. Um, but the, the one thing I did learn is um, that more is not always better. I actually had to like petition the, I think the HOA and to have a permit to take out one of my live oaks for like a small front yard, it really could only accommodate one. And I, I had to um, actually point out that two didn't fit and take all these pictures and show them and get permission. And that uh, really helped me uh, learn about editing. So, and that some plants need a lot of room. And so, so that, that's kind of what I learned from that. But I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't do um, a lot of exotics at that time. So that that kind of was the next the next step, which is what we have here. Yeah, you mentioned the live oaks. That's definitely a common uh, planting for all the new developments. You see the two live oaks kind of smack dab in the middle of the yard, yeah. and you're just like, no, in 10 years, 20 years, this is a disaster. Yeah, I know. And then nothing grows under them because it's they too shady. Too shady. Yeah. But one can be phenomenal if it's tended well and um, – you know, sculpted over a few years and like not done by a hack who doesn't who doesn't know what they're doing. Really, right. really good tree trimmer. Then it can be gorgeous. But it's just I don't know why they insist on putting two in a yard. It's just insane. So yeah, I don't. Know, maybe they're betting one's gonna die. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I don't. I don't know. But they want you like one. One of the whole things about the woodlands is they have certain requirements of how much of your yard has to be covered with, you know, the um a canopy tree and they and like how much has to be covered in stuff that is not grass and then they have a list of approved plants so um the live oak's on there and I guess that's just what happened but I've seen other communities where it wasn't the live oak it was like one of the magnolias like they'll they'll go crazy with the D.B. Blanchard and I I guess Mm -hmm. you make a mass uh purchase of them and get get the best deal you can and then everybody gets one so and then just hope that you don't get a a blight or something coming through that takes out everything. Yeah. So your current house, are you, you said the HOA, you know, has the kind of restrictions. Are you mostly focused on changing it up really well in the backyard or are you able to kind of stretch your wings a little bit in the front yard? Too? I, I do both. I actually do both. Um, you know, within reason, obviously they, I think they basically just want it to look reasonable and tidy and they, they give, they they just um they do give you a list that contains um native or you know close to native species depending on how how lenient you are with that that term and and some of them actually do work very very well for landscaping but i've brought in things like the like the um the mystic spire salvia in the front yard which looks fantastic and it blooms like all year round it's just crazy and it attracts tons of bees in a mass planting and um, I think, you know, I think that's, that's fine. It's, it's just, a, you know, just considered a plant. And as long as it's, it's done in an in attractive and neat fashion, I don't think it's, a, um, I don't think it's an issue. I, I, and I, I'm kind of just going out on a limb here, but I think the, the main 
purpose seems to be that they want people to have their yards planted up and not just like a bare grass patch and that it looks neat and tidy. So, right. You know, they're kind of they're they're kind of keeping everybody's aesthetic interests. Right. And, and and even like on things like little islands and stuff, they'll they'll come and plant native species because they um they try to um keep stuff that will will grow and it's not sometimes it's not even old growth because it had to be mowed down during a during a building but they'll try to bring it back and and keep the um the wild look it's just one of the characteristics of um of the woodlands is all that yeah. pine pine stuff and it, it can it can work quite well so it's just you just have to kind of avoid the tendency to to overcrowd because you think this new tree is coming in it's so small so I better have more and then it's out of control right so what have you I mean you've done a lot in the last two years to your yard um I guess what is the I guess biggest changes you've done to your landscaping and what of your favorite plants um my biggest changes man um I'm trying to think um Oh gosh, my yeah, I'd, I'd say that my favorite plants are probably the salvias. Um, I really, I just really enjoy them. They're just so so easy to grow and so colorful, and and you get the nonstop entertainment of of watching the bees as soon as they find it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's been one of the um, the greatest and and most enjoyable changes. Uh, and then also um, the Durante plants I really like too. I, I have um the um like I don't know if it's officially called white Duranta, but it has like just a, a white bloom on it, and then the Cuban gold, which um yeah, that's the most popular. Oh yeah, yeah, and then, and I I just I just really like them. They're just so it's so nice to uh, to look at. So I've I've um enjoyed that quite a quite a bit. But I'm also trying to work with some of the um uh, just some of the more um pollinator attracting but also attractive and drought and heat tolerant plants like i've just brought in a russian sage and um i don't have a spot for right now but that's okay i'll find one so, yeah so I'm, I'm really trying to trying to work that situation and to plant in groups so that um the bees can take advantage of that because they they can't really uh focus on a single plant it's just not efficient for them they need a whole group Right. to visit so oh and a bottle brush I have to say that if I had to pick one I would say that the bottle brush has been um just the the greatest plant ever I have a kind of a hedge of three and it's just phenomenal it, it has never had any kind of issues or problems it blooms constantly it, it attracts tons of bees and birds too and it's just it's just been great and that that was actually um something that the um, original landscaper had brought in as an idea and it just I really can't say enough for it I see it in, like even used in foreign countries too like in Australia and the UK and everything it always looks terrific so I just I think it's like underused if that's possible yeah it was um, when I lived in South Florida it's a very common plant and I'm starting to see it a lot more here in Houston um, my neighbors have have planted some along their driveway and um, I know in Florida I used to see a lot of uh, swallowtail butterflies on it I don't know if you've seen um, them on yours, but um, I definitely know they're a butterfly attractant too. No, I don't know. I've never seen the butterflies on it, and I wonder if that's like a a competition thing that because the bees discovered it first, they kind of have right staked it territory, and that and that so other things don't want to come 
come close to it because it's really so like inundated with bees that it's <laughs> intimidating if you're not part of that group. I don't know. Right. I don't know. That's a good question. Huh. Yeah. I definitely like bottle brush. I, I think they're definitely being used a little bit better now, at least in Houston. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There seems to be like two two species in the two. There's kind of like a floppier kind, and then there's one that, that sticks out like a true bottle brush. Like it's more... Right. I don't know how you can even describe it, but it, it it's just all the the blooms stick straight out at various angles, but they don't have that that draping quality that the other one does. So I have the sticky outy kind and I've been extremely happy with it. It's been great. Sure. <laughs> and and also also I'd say the cherry laurel, if I had to go with one of the um the the Woodlands approved um front yard plantings, uh the cherry laurel has been fantastic. It um the bees absolutely love it when it blooms during the spring um the spring cycle. It, it just gets tons of bees on it. And then it's just been an absolute um, worry-free evergreen that maintains its shape. You don't have to, um, you know, run around and mm-hmm. trying to keep it as a in a certain shape. Like, uh, like you know, sometimes the the Japanese blueberries, if you want them in a certain shape, you have to be out there constantly trying to keep them under control. But the, the cherry laurel has been fantastic, and I, I have three, and they've all been great. So. Um, that one I, I would absolutely recommend. For. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a, I think, underutilized uh, native. We have a lot in our yard and our neighbor's yard just because we're kind of in a more rural area, but um, you don't see it too often planted anywhere else. But that's good that they use it on the, their plant listing. I do, and um, I, I've actually had on several occasions people, like, stop me basically in front of the house and you know point to it and say what is that and so like not in a bad way they they really like it like everybody just just notices it and you wouldn't think for something that's just sort of the you know the the pyramid or conical structure thing that that would happen but it's it's just so attractive and so worry-free and yet you you still get the um you know the the pollinator interest and then um, I believe the the dropes, the berries on it, um, feed birds in winter too. So yeah, so it's, it's actually uh, quite good. So I've I'm, I've been really happy with that one. So do you grow any edibles, or are you mostly just landscape flower gardener? Um, I have I have two citrus. I have a, a Republic of Texas orange, and then I also have a you know the Meyer lemon. And um, so that's that's all I have for for edibles right now. So I'm just um, I'm beyond that. I'm just more of like a a visual planner. I I the, the edible stuff to to other people. I have in the past grown a few herbs, and I just found that for me it wasn't it wasn't efficient. I'd rather just buy them from somebody who's better at it than I am. It just it just right. Means <laughs> Trying to, uh, so I, I don't know. Do you, do you grow quite a, a few um, food items? I know you're asking about tomatoes. That one of your um, yeah, we have we have a pretty good sized vegetable garden, um, and it's just kind of getting up into the swing of things for summer. But we just finished like um, uh, green peas and a lot of the the greens like kale and lettuce and things like that are just now kind of finishing. And but yeah, we'll have tomatoes and peppers and 
garlic and onions soon. So um, it's just, I mean, we grew in a community garden a couple of years ago, and but the community garden in this garden is really our biggest like edible garden. We did tomatoes in Florida, but that was about it. We didn't really do much else. So there's definitely been a learning curve on some plants, um, some things we have pitiful success with. <laughs> Others are really good. So, you know, it's a, it's a trial by error, that's for sure. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, I, I know you had mentioned on your previous podcast about the um, leaf miner on the mi- on the lemon or on the citrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely having that issue. I'm not, not going to lie to you. I, the, the citrus, the, the lemon had um, been up against um, the last three giant knockout roses that I just um, took out of the backyard, um, like just this, this past um, weekend, actually. And so, as, as I tell people, it was in a bad neighborhood, and it, it the roses had, I think, taken a lot of its nutrients, and it had to, oh, yeah. and it got kind of like misshapen because it was reaching for the sun, and then of course because it was under stress, and the leaf miners moved in, so. I'm trying to rehabilitate it now um, with compost in a good location and pamper it and that, and that kind of thing. But with the the food crops, yeah, you definitely have to fight for your share, I think. Yeah, we've been sharing a lot of strawberries oh. with the birds. So yeah. not too many for ourselves this year, but maybe next year we'll try to find a way to prevent them. So, yeah. And I appreciate that they have to eat too. And I guess it's, like when stuff like that at least is coming into your yard, then it, it's good because they sense that it's there's something for them. Like I had, I had a an armadillo had come into the yard, and I never saw it. Like I, I was never able to capture any film or pictures of it, but I knew it was there because I could see the tail prints, and it was digging up holes like all over the place, and you could see where it had been rooting, um, looking for grubs, and it. Um, actually dug quite a few like significant holes that I had to to fix, and it, it did eventually just leave on its own. I get and I in talking to um, wildlife people, that's just something that they do. They they have territories and sometimes they just go somewhere else. But the interesting thing was that I saw that it had gone to another yard and had like in its its whole tracks and snuffle marks. I could see that it had um, tried to investigate an area covered with black mulch and then had left very quickly finding nothing of interest there. So, but I guess one of the risks or the downsides is trying to build a, an ecosystem in your yard is that every, everybody wants in and right. Yeah. So, so uh, you have, well, you're talking about armadillos. Do you have problems with uh, rabbits? Um, I see them around the, like the the jogging trails and stuff, but I haven't had a problem with that. I know some people say that rabbits come into the yard and they, you know, they, I guess they probably eat all your stuff and like the whole Farmer McGregor kind of fashion. But I've never had a problem with that. With that, I've just um, my biggest thing is the the diggers. Do, do, you, do you get rabbits attacking your your garden? No, I mean we've had a couple suspicious like nibbles. Because we fenced off the vegetable garden for the deer because we have a deer problem. And um, sometimes we'll get, like, a suspicious nibble and we're like, I can't imagine anything that would, unless it was a rabbit that had managed to get in and squeeze through the gate. Um, But mostly, and you mentioned armadillos. We have had an armadillo problem, and my husband's relocated them to a wooded area down the way. Yeah, yeah. 
we won't have a problem for six months and then they came back. So, (laughs) and I've never thought like in all of like my years of like garden pests, like an armadillo being on that, but you know, it's, it's Texas. So yes. And they're cool animals. They're so interesting to watch. If you see them at night and, and they kind of, they kind of, um, cause they don't have good vision. Right. And they have to stand up and, and snuffle around and they just look like these alien things. They're just such neat animals. They just, they can do quite a lot of damage. So that, that was my whole thing too. I'd actually had to, to bring in a trapper and to see if I could get it, get it relocated. And it was going to go out to an acreage and everything, but it never, it never showed. It just, it just went away on its own. So yeah. So let's, Oh, and then of course I, I did manage to catch a few possums, and it was like you know it's just a, a trap, not a nothing that hurt them or anything. But I, I just released them because they actually don't do anything harmful. They in fact they catch insects and stuff. So I know there's possums out there too. So yeah, I was thinking about deer in your area too. I I would assume there's a lot of I mean I know there's a lot of wooded areas, but do you guys have deer problems at all too much? Yeah. Um, we, um, I haven't had a problem in the yard, but I've definitely like, um, like is, because this is a, a, one of the newer developments there, you know, we're kind of chasing them out of their area because every time a, a wooded area gets bulldozed to make room for more houses, of course, where are they going to go? So yeah, right. I, definitely the biggest problem with deer is that they're on the roads and I try to mm-hmm. warn people. I've had like, Five of them try to mow me down while jumping on the jogging trails. Like they don't care; they just they just run across the road and then they'll sit there just chewing and looking at you. So there's there's a lot of them out there, and so far they haven't started coming into our yard. But maybe in other communities they they are. Um, like I've definitely seen like just groups of five, six, whatever, just um, hanging out, and they they got to go somewhere. So yeah. So in all your gardening and native plant um, learnings and um, going on, have you been trying to get your neighbors or friends involved in that? Or, I mean, you mentioned the the neighbor that came up with cherry laurel, but have you have you gotten anybody else on board? Um, I try to. The only thing I've tried to do is rehome plants if I have too many, and then I I put the word out on our community site if anybody wants like a free plant they can. You know, they can have it as I just, I hate throwing things away, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't really done that because I'm, I'm not sure how to, uh, how to do that. Um, like not everybody has, has the interest in, in native plants. It's just like a, a the, the best thing I, I feel like I can do, like I put it out there, like in the front yard and, and if people ask about it, then, then absolutely I'll, I'll share information with you. But, um, it, it just depends. We, there's still quite a few people who, um, are fans of, um, some of the very traditional landscaping. Right. That's, that's okay. And they, they might eventually come around to things, but because some of those plants are, are tough and long lasting, they're, they're okay with that. So. Right. I don't know, and, and then I can't. Like, I, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, to go to people and tell them they should be changing stuff out, uh, and that there's some great, um, like, drought tolerant and pollinator tracking plants out there. Because also, uh, you know, we are um, looking at a forty dollar barrel of oil, and this is yep. something that I think a lot of people are very aware of, and they don't want to necessarily 
throw out a good plant and end up with a hole and having to, you know, to spend money that they may not have next week to, to put something else in there. So, so I figured that's the best thing I can do is I just do the, yeah. the plant giveaways if I can. And, um, and if I have takers, great. If I don't, I don't know, but do you, do you have any ideas? I mean, what, what to do when you have extra plants? You know, when I was in Florida, I was pretty involved in, well, when garden web, uh, was a really big gardening forum back before like Facebook and things like that. I got involved in a lot of, swaps and trays and would go to different people's houses but I've never really done that here and I don't feel like I know there is a gardening community but I don't feel like it's as tight-knit as the ones I had been yeah it's funny because yeah yeah, usually like if you're in that kind of community and you say free plant like everybody will want it and get pretty excited about it but it just doesn't seem to be that way and I don't I, I don't know what the what the deal is or if people just um yeah cause I wanted to divide things or start, you know, I have extra seedlings or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I could trade it with somebody. And I'm like, you know, other than, you know, giving it to my mom or my brother. But in, I just, I didn't have the time. This goes in my compost pile because I don't know what to do with it. I'm so. terrible about that. I, I, I hate trying things out. But sometimes I just, I genuinely, like, it's like I'm I'm out of space here, folks. And, um, uh, you know, so. Yeah, so I, I hate that, but I um, and there's there's things that I know don't transplant particularly well, so I, I just that that just has to go. But um, I've um, the last thing, couple things that I that I've taken out and offered up, I didn't get a response on, and maybe just people didn't have room or they didn't like um, or they didn't have like. Even if they had room, they didn't have the soil because they've already tried to dig to dig into the, um, like the builder grade. Oh you yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they might be thinking, okay, free plant, but then I have to go and you know amend the soil, and and I've already tried digging into the clay, and everything I put there just dies. So. Why bother? Yeah, why bother? This is just theories I have, but I, I don't know why people don't want free plants. I just, I, um, I just, I really, I really don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, so since you, you're not a very, you're big on edible gardening at the moment. Um, I know you go to farmers markets in the woodlands. Um, have you met a lot of uh, the local growers and farmers? And how is I guess how's that scene over in your area? Um, I think it's it's pretty good. It just you know again it just depends on who you are and what your interests are. And there's um, there's just still going to be people who who are absolutely fine just um, buying what they normally buy. And then there's people who who are genuinely interested in knowing where they can get like um, you know pasture guinea hen and and whatnot. And I I kind of um, I actually go to the Woodlands Market, and then I I also go to the Urban Harvest one downtown when, uh, when I have time. Even though that's you know it's a drive, but um, my husband and I try to make a an occasion of it, and then we just go downtown um, as a you know as, as an event to the market every couple months or so with a and with with a list of things and and try to really load up. So um, I I have certain vendors that I've that I've gotten to know, and I, I keep in touch with them through Facebook, and 
whatever and it I try to follow the um the know your farmer rule. So I, I probably have a, a smaller list of people that I deal with. Um and it's particularly in the proteins like um the the berry farm is is excellent for that's where I get all my uh pork and lamb and um chicken from and I actually had my free like a stand up freezer installed in the laundry room and I had to have it rewired to do so, but <laughs> but doing that is is actually uh, great because it allows me to do stuff like like a hog share and oh, yeah okay. and because I I was really excited about it when I when I first thought of doing that and then I and then it occurred to me that I really would be pressed for space and and so like you know and I actually had to ask how big in cubic feet is a hog share. <laughs> That was one thing, but like, what does this really look like? And I realized that that was not workable. So, so I had that done. And what that allows me to do is every like couple to several months, depending what I need, actually make a drive out to, to Needville to pick up, um, you know, um, or, 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 yeah, or the Sugarland Farmers Market, say, or, or whatever to pick up. Um, a bunch of their products and then um, pack it into the freezer and then at the local market at the woodlands um, you know I, I like um, like I buy from Hammond Farms for the, the goat cheese and down mm-hmm. blue heron of course you've probably heard of, heard of them so yes. yeah so they're, they're quite well known but you know, both of them are have have great products and, and good people and um, you know, if I'm downtown, the, the law ranch for, for grass fed beef, but, um, because I have this freezer and because some of these markets are far away, I, I just try to contact in advance and put in a, a huge order and then, yeah, on. that's, and that's what I do. And that's, that's what works for me. And I, I, I think that's nice. It, it, um, so it, it just, it works kind of efficiently, but by doing that, I don't always have the time to, to chat with everybody all the time. So I'm kind of yeah. a fly person. I guess since moving back to Houston, I lived in Galveston when I went to college and, you know, I don't know. I just didn't have a very good feel about Houston mm-hmm. back then, but now that I've been back, I feel, I definitely feel a lot more, I don't know, Austin like <laughs> it has that, that local feel. It's definitely growing I think so yeah I think it's really cool like it's I think that's a phenomenal food scene um just things that you you don't see elsewhere in the quality and the the ethics of the raising like you know even like Tejas Heritage which where I get my guinea hen sausage which I really love uh, there's all these really good vendors and then I've become like such a an out-of-control like foodie that it kind of makes going anywhere else really hard for me because I, I'm, I'm just I have such high standards and been really surprised by the Houston scene. So yeah, I, I've been really impressed by it. It's absolutely top notch. So I guess uh, we'll kind of wrap up a little bit. Um, do you have any gardening inspiration, like people you like to follow, uh, blogs, books, that kind of thing? Yeah, one of the um, actually. I have a couple of, well, not not books so much, but um, there's a couple of really inspiring um, yards. Um, one or that that I've just seen on Instagram, um, and I'm just I'm just gonna just check just to make sure what the 
the name is um, on just so, so I can tell people with with complete accuracy when I give a shout out. Um, oh yeah, I love a Maggie Garden TX, which is like a 30-year garden, and that will absolutely blow you away. I don't know if you've seen seen that one. Yeah, I think I recently followed her um, because I saw she commented on your post, and I was like, hey, another gardener for Texas. Hey. That's, that's, that's a, just a phenomenal um, yard in terms of um, just the, the knowledge of plants and, and that kind of thing. And then the, the other one um, that I like is, um, just a, just a, um, um, uh, you'd think I'd be more technologically <laughs> adept at this here. Um, uh, shoot. Okay. Um, I'm, That's fine. You can get I, back I, to me. The funny thing is, is it's just got a, a Oh, great Tabby Gardens, great Tabby Gardens, and and what I love about the the pictures is beautifully put together Instagram feed, but that's also Zone Nine, which is where I am, and it's a Florida garden, but a lot of the plants are the same, so it's just really great for inspiration because um, I see some of the the same things that are grown in in a hot, humid environment where. Uh, you have some of the same issues, but also some of the same opportunities, right. and and it's just so so lovely and so nicely nicely done. Both both English ladies, by the way, I think. Um, I guess there's that just that interest um, sort of just came with them to to Texas or to the to US and just a really gorgeous yard. So I, I like to follow those and I like to look at it because I, I you know I do like working in um in an ecological league functioning yard but I, I like it to look decent too so I, I find that quite inspiring cool oh and, and also, also I have to say yeah I mean it's not a um of course um Michael Pollan's books um and in, in in defense of food and and that whole uh, that whole series I think is quite interesting just delving into um why things like monoculture don't work and that sort of thing. It's not. It's not. Um, There's more agriculture than gardening, but there are some. Yeah, you know, the parallel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. An intersection. I get a lot, yeah. I, I get a lot of um, information and inspiration from that too. Cool. And so, where can anybody find you if they want to follow your garden transformation? Um, I'm at digging the woodlands on. Uh, that's all one word on on Instagram, and that's where they can. That's where they can find me. Yeah, and I'll put, I'll put the actual handle in the show notes for everybody to follow you. Oh, okay, sure. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. I hope I didn't natter your ear off there. No, no, I'm excited. And I think maybe we should meet up at a garden center sometime and oh, yeah. chit-chat. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I'd I go to the Arbor Gate probably, you know, <laughs> once a week. Um, just for- Yep. Yeah, you know, I have to see. Just have to see what they have, and so, um, so you know, it sounds like you you've been there too, and um, but that would certainly be a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, cool. 
thanks again so much for uh, coming on and chatting with me, and uh, we'll have to talk again soon. Okay, well, thank you so much, and have a great day. All right, bye. Bye.